Thanks for listening to The Red Treehouse, where I tell scary stories to keep you up at night. You can listen to The Red Treehouse on your favorite streaming platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Be sure to follow, like, and subscribe. Oh, and leave a five-star review. You can follow The Red Treehouse on social media, on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and X at Red Treehouse Pod. And if you have a scary story or topic you'd like me to feature on an upcoming episode, email redtreehousepod at gmail.com. Important note, sources for this episode can be found in the show notes. To this point, we've covered two scary tales of possession and exorcism. And honestly, I thought the possession of Roland Doe was the scariest tale of demonic possession I'd ever heard. Until now. Imagine moving into a new house with dreams of a fresh start, only to experience one of your worst nightmares. Truly, the story of Latoya Ammons, her mother Rosa Campbell, and her three children is the stuff of nightmares. In 2011, the family of five moved into a small home in Gary, Indiana, and endured a terrifying haunting, leading to the possession of LaToya and her children. The details of the case are legitimately scary, and though I'm recording this episode in the evening, I've already done a walkthrough in my recording space. What's fascinating about the Ammons haunting and possession isn't just the details of the account. It's also the corroborating documentation, nearly 800 pages of official case documents written by law enforcement personnel, hospital staff, social workers, mental health professionals, and religious leaders. After witnessing the haunting and possession of Latoya Ammons and her family, police captain Charles Austin stated, quote, I am a believer. End quote. In the decades since the haunting made national news, the quaint home has become known as the 200 Demons House, or simply, Demon House. In fact, Zach Bagans, of Ghost Adventures fame, purchased the home in 2014 for $35,000 and conducted a full paranormal investigation. He concluded, quote, there was something there that was very dark, yet highly intelligent and powerful." End quote. The home was demolished in 2016, and a documentary detailing the investigation and haunting was released in 2018. As with any alleged haunting and possession, there are no shortage of skeptics who dismiss the Ammons case offhand, claiming the entire thing was made up or an attempt at a cash grab. I'll admit, the case is fascinating. And if only a fraction of the events happened, well, it's also terrifying. Is the Ammon family haunting and possession legitimate? Or was it an incredible, scary, and fake story? I'll share the details. You decide for yourself. 
I'm your host, Will. Welcome to the Red Treehouse. In November 2011, Latoya Ammons, her mother Rosa Campbell, and her three children moved into a small home in Gary, Indiana, with the hopes of having a fresh start. Within a few weeks, though, strange and unsettling occurrences began, and the family's dreams turned into a nightmare. And it started with black flies. One day in December, Latoya walked out to the screened-in porch and found it was overrun with black flies. This was odd, because given the cold temperatures, the flies shouldn't have been there at all. And no matter how many times the family killed the flies, they kept coming back in waves. Rosa Campbell, Latoya's mother, stated, quote, We killed them and killed them and killed them but they kept coming back." End quote. Shortly after, the family began hearing strange noises in the home, the sound of heavy footsteps walking up and down the basement stairs, and the creaking of the basement door as it opened slowly. Each time they went to the door to see who was there, only to find themselves staring into the empty darkness of the staircase. They locked the basement door, hoping this would help, but the noise and creaking continued. One night, Rosa was awakened by an odd sound outside her bedroom. And when she went to investigate, she saw a shadowy figure pacing the living room. When she moved into the room, the figure disappeared, leaving behind large, wet footprints. The strange phenomenon continued for several months with the family doing their best to settle into their new home, not realizing it was the tip of a frightening iceberg. According to Psych Times, the irrational fear of demons is called demonophobia, and symptoms include high anxiety at the thought of demons. In certain cases, demonophobia may lead to, quote, increased heart rate, an increased rate of breathing, higher blood pressure, muscle tension, trembling, and excessive sweating, end quote. It is possible these symptoms may lead to a full-blown panic attack. Those suffering from demonophobia will do whatever they feel is necessary to avoid exposure to demons, including, quote, refusal to go to certain areas where they believe demons may be, end quote. In a cruel twist, these behaviors which are intended to minimize anxiety, may actually worsen the above-mentioned symptoms. To date, there are no reports indicating Latoya Ammons or anyone in her family 
who are fearful of demons, saw demons around every corner, or actively worked to avoid demons. This is important because on March 10, 2012, the initial poltergeist activity took a dark, malevolent turn. At approximately 2 a.m. that morning, the Ammons family was grieving the recent loss of a loved one. Latoya's daughter, 12 years old at the time, was having a sleepover with a friend, and the two were with Latoya in her bedroom. Suddenly, Latoya cried out for Rosa, who ran in from her bedroom into the bedroom where Latoya and the girls were sitting. There, she found the 12-year-old unconscious and levitating above the bed. Rosa reported being terrified at the sight of her granddaughter, and the family immediately surrounded the girl and prayed. Within a few minutes, the girl descended back to the bed and woke up with no memory of what had just happened. The friend who was having the sleepover with Latoya's daughter never returned to the home. The family was unsure about what or who they were dealing with, but were certain it was demonic. They called several churches, hoping to talk to a priest or minister who could help, only to be dismissed offhand. One church offered help, and after visiting the home, declared it, quote, filled with spirits, end quote. They advised Latoya and her family to pray and cleanse the home by wiping everything with bleach and ammonia, drawing crosses above every door, and anointing the windows with oil. Latoya went a step further and painted crosses on her children's foreheads and anointing their feet with olive oil. Eventually, Latoya reached out to two clairvoyants, who after spending some time at the home, claimed it was haunted by more than 200 demons and were insistent the Ammons family move out of the home immediately. Though the family's Christian convictions made it easy for them to believe the home was demon-infested, their financial situation did not allow them to move out. Upon hearing this, the clairvoyants suggested Latoya build an altar in the basement, a small table covered in a white sheet. Atop the white sheet was a candle and small figurines of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. Latoya then conducted a ritual cleansing burning sage and reading Psalm 91 to exorcise the demons. For three days, the home was quiet, and Latoya thought she'd solved the problem. Then, all hell broke loose. When the haunting first started, the entities kept themselves at a distance, but gradually, they drew closer and closer, until Latoya was convinced all three of her children were possessed. One article stated, quote, she described their eyes as bulging and their smiles as evil. Her mother agreed that their voices deepened when this strange energy came over them, end quote. In one scary incident, the youngest child was found sitting in a closet talking to an invisible entity. When Latoya came close, the boy put his index finger to his mouth as if to tell her to be quiet. When asked what was going on, 
the young child told her the invisible person was describing, quote, what it was like to be murdered, end quote. Whenever the children were under demonic influence, their eyes turned jet black, and their grins appeared to communicate evil intentions. When speaking, their voices deepened to a low, guttural tone. And whenever Latoya was possessed, she reported, quote, feeling weak, lightheaded, and warm. She would feel a loss of control as her whole body trembled, end quote. As the family slipped further into possession, the entities grew increasingly violent. Latoya's youngest son, the same child who had had a conversation about being murdered, quote, came flying out of the bathroom as if tossed, end quote. Latoya's 12-year-old daughter, the same child who'd levitated several weeks before, reported feeling as if, quote, someone was holding her down and choking her, end quote. She claimed a voice told her that she would die soon and that she would no longer see her family. The children began threatening others, and one article stated, quote, they began speaking in low voices, whispering statements like, it's time to die, and I will kill you, end quote. By now, the family was feeling the effects of the oppression, as the children missed a significant amount of school. Soon after, the Department of Child Services, police, and healthcare professionals were involved with the Ammon family. Any thought of relief was quickly put to rest as the haunting and possession intensified, this time with witnesses. On April 19, 2012, Latoya took her children to their doctor, Jeffrey Onyeoku, for an examination. During the visit, the boys began cursing at the doctor in low, growling voices. In response to the boy's behavior, he stated, quote, 20 years, and I've never heard anything like that in my life. I was scared myself when I walked into the room, end quote. The staff at the doctor's office witnessed Latoya's son, quote, being lifted into the air without anybody laying a hand on him. He was tossed into the wall, and both boys lost consciousness, end quote. Staff immediately contacted 911. The boys were taken to Methodist Hospital, where they were treated by doctors and nurses. Latoya attempted to anoint her boys with olive oil and pray, as she'd done at the house. The youngest boy, quote, woke up screaming and thrashing hard enough that it required five men to hold him down, end quote. Inevitably, a call was placed to the Department of Child Services, and an investigation was opened into potential child abuse or neglect. The report to DCS included allegations that the children were performing the scary behaviors for their mother, and it was alleged the family suffered from mental illness. Despite the claim, social workers found the children to be healthy and without any sign of physical injury. As important, a psychological evaluation of Latoya determined that she did not have mental illness. The case manager assigned to the family attempted to interview the children, but when speaking with the youngest child, he growled at her and bared his teeth, and his eyes rolled into the back of his head, 
Within seconds, he began choking his older brother, requiring several adults to pull him off and immediately stop. Later that evening, the case manager attempted to interview the children again, this time with a nurse in the room. Despite this, the youngest child continued to growl and bare his teeth, and he began threatening everyone in the room, stating, quote, it's time to die. I will kill you, end quote. Upon hearing this, the oldest boy headbutted his grandmother in the stomach. What happened next is one of the scariest events of the entire possession account. After headbutting his grandmother's stomach, she grabbed his hands and began to pray over him. Several seconds later, he picked his head up from her stomach with an unsettling smile on his face. He quickly pulled away from her and still holding her hands, walked backwards up the wall until he reached the ceiling. Then he flipped over his grandmother and landed on his feet. The nurse witnessed the entire thing, stating, quote, he walked up the wall, flipped over his grandmother and stood there. There's no way he could have done that." End quote. The case manager confirmed the account, stating, quote, The child glided backward on the floor, wall, and ceiling. End quote. Both the caseworker and nurse, terrified at what they'd witnessed, ran out of the room. The next day, DCS took emergency custody of the children exacerbating an already stressful situation for LaToya and her family. She stated, quote, We'd already been through so much and fought so hard for our lives. It was obvious we were a team and we were beating it, whatever we were fighting. We made it through together as a team and they separated us, end quote. On April 20th, 2012, Reverend Michael Maginot received a call from a hospital chaplain requesting he perform an exorcism on Latoya's oldest son. Initially hesitant, he eventually relented, though his intent was to determine if there was a natural cause for the child's behavior. During his interview with Latoya and Rose, he noticed a light flickering in the bathroom. He took this as a sign that the home was demon-infested and that the demonic presence was afraid of him. As the interview progressed, the supernatural phenomenon increased. The blinds in the kitchen began moving as if a breeze had swept through, and wet footprints appeared on the floor throughout the living room. Latoya complained of a headache, and when Reverend Maginot pressed a crucifix on her forehead, she began convulsing. Reverend Maginot determined the family was both demon-possessed and haunted by ghosts. He pleaded with the family to move out of the home immediately, and they temporarily relocated to a relative's house. Eventually, Maginot conducted three exorcisms on Latoya Ammons, two in English and one in Latin, and stated, quote, We felt like someone was in the room with you, someone breathing down your neck. End quote. Latoya convulsed violently during each exorcism and claimed the demons were inflicting pain on her as they fought desperately to avoid expulsion. 
After the third exorcism, Latoya reported feeling normal again. Shortly after DCS took custody of the children, they had the Hammond Police Department conduct a walkthrough of the home, during which police officers took note of several strange occurrences. According to an official report, two police officers, quote, experienced radio malfunctions, captured the presence of a smoky white apparition, and seemed to record a ghostly voice saying, hey, end quote. During a second visit to the home, officers noted, quote, a strange oily substance dripping from the blinds, end quote. The officers took photos during both walkthroughs, and upon reviewing the pictures, noticed, quote, a cloudy white image in the upper corner, end quote, of the basement stairs. The photo was enlarged, which, quote, caused the cloud to resemble a face, as well as a second green image that seemed to be a woman, end quote. After the exorcisms, Latoya and Rose moved into a new home in Indianapolis, though the children remained in DCS custody for another six months. In November 2012, nearly a year after moving into the Demon House, Latoya was reunited with her children, and Reverend Maginot blessed their new home. They never reported any demonic or ghostly disturbances ever again. No matter the possession account, there will always be believers and skeptics. For some, like me, demonic possession touches on a person's deepest fears. For others, though, it brings out their strongest doubts. And, despite the official documents attesting to the strange and scary occurrences in the home, there are those who claim it was all made up. While the Ammon children were in DCS custody, they were interviewed and evaluated, and it was determined the children were, quote, at least partially neglected, as Latoya did not have them in school regularly, end quote. In fact, truancy had been an issue three years prior to the occurrences at the Demon House, with Latoya claiming the children were being tormented by evil spirits, which made them sick or prevented them from falling asleep at night. A psychological evaluation of Latoya's youngest son revealed he, quote, acted possessed upon being challenged or asked questions he didn't want to answer. The boy seemed to be completely coherent and logical until the subject of demons came up. These stories were strange and fragmented and changed with each retelling, end quote. It was determined that though the children did not suffer from delusions or psychotic disorder, it was possible they were stuck in a hyper-religious delusional system of their mother's own creation. It was thought that Latoya's extreme religious beliefs contributed to the family's experiences. Despite the findings, Latoya Ammons insists to this day that the family's experiences at the home in Gary, Indiana were the result of demonic infestation oppression, and possession. I mentioned it earlier, but the Ammons haunting and possession scare me. And I've researched several dozen exorcism accounts, many of which we will explore in future episodes. And while there is always a small part of me that doubts the authenticity of these cases, for some reason, I can't shake the feeling that the Ammons case was legitimate.
As we close this episode of The Red Treehouse, we're still left with these lingering, and likely unanswerable, questions. Is the Ammon haunting and possession legitimate? Or was it an incredible, scary, and fake story? I've shared the details. Now you decide for yourself. I'm your host, Will. Thanks for joining me in the Red Treehouse. House.